This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. What's going on, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Great to be with you this afternoon. My name is Andrew Patterson, along with Michael Remus, the CTO of Winnipeg Sports Talk. And, oh, well, we've got lots to get to. Very busy weekend in the National Hockey League. Playoff picture just about officially confirmed. And Connor McDavid went for 100 points on the weekend. We'll get to all of that coming up. And we will talk Jets. Look ahead to tonight's tilt to Vancouver Canucks. The final three games of the regular season with our good friend, the one and only Marat Atesh. As always, Winnipeg Sports Talk is brought to you by Not Autocorp, Boston Pizza, Royal Sports, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Little Brown Jug, Assiniboia Downs, Breezy Bend, Cool Bet Canada, and Aikens Lake. Let's welcome in Michael Remus, the CTO, before we get to Murata Tesh. Remo, what is going on? How's the weekend? How are you feeling? Uh, so I gotta be honest, I was feeling pretty down on the Jets, 1-8. and eight. Uh, Other weekend was okay. But uh, they just, you know, have been dropping this vaccine eligibility. I made my appointment. So now I, I've completely forgotten about the Jets stretch here. And I'm just pumped I'm getting uh, getting my shot. So let's go. I'm ready for the playoffs. Go Jets, right? <laughs> uh, that's good. Yeah, I guess it's now 30 plus. 30 plus around yeah. here for uh, yeah. getting the shot. So then you're going to get one tomorrow. So you, I did this a couple weeks ago. There's the potential of Remus having a vax yeah. high. Tomorrow on the show, Vax that should be quite interesting. It's going to give us better internet, for sure. Better connections with our <laughs> guests. We're going to get all the residual effects. Actually, I, so I've seen, I've seen in, this, in the U.S. that a lot of like sports teams are giving you know, benefits to people who have the vaccine. So my favorite team, Seattle, I saw they're giving like disc, discounted merch at the store, um, giving a free T-shirts, you know, separate entry. What is there like a site that I know there's a site that says all the vaccines, but is there a site that tells me what deals I can get with uh, showing that I got it? Is that in Canada or is that a, a U.S. thing? That needs to be a extension of the Vax Hunters website. Yeah, yeah. What deals can like I take advantage? Go, what sports teams are offering discounted merch uh, for a? <laughs> I know the Bombers are pushing for it, so maybe I can get a Bomber jersey or something. <laughs> Now, you had sent me on the weekend um, yeah. a piece. Now, wh- where was this? I'm just trying to find this again. Um, options to go and get vaccine had been, uh, you know, listen, some places they hadn't gone as well as others. And then they decided that they were going to give free beer out at a vaccine in Erie County, New York, I'm pretty sure that was. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe that's in and around Buffalo. And um, needless to say, this was the most successful rollout of the vaccine anywhere in the state. Um, so I'm just waiting. At one point, maybe we'll have our own Winnipeg Sports Talk uh, vaccine push. We can get together with the Little Brown Jug people. People can get their shot, and then we'll give them a beer afterwards and, I don't know, sit outside at a safe distance for their 15 minutes while they uh, wait enjoy a beautiful, cold, little brown jug, and then hopefully move on to immunity from COVID-19. Yeah, do what you got to do. And I know the Jets were talking about it yesterday, how they're seeing relaxed protocols for all the NHL players. Andrew Kopp saying he's jealous of friends and family, but uh, we will we will get there. So, uh, yeah, I'm fired up today. They lowered the eligibility, and we also have back-to-back Jets games against Vancouver and Huss. 
A uh, bit of a lineup change for the Jets. We've been waiting for it. Would we see Hanela and Stanley in the lineup together? And, well, it, it had to have some injuries for it to happen, but Vili Hainala, who couldn't crack the lineup all year because of some injuries, now on the top pair with, uh, with Josh Morrissey. Uh, that's exciting stuff. Yeah, so um, that is the little update, actually. Did, by the way, throw a tweet out with the link if you can. I'm just trying to uh, it's retweet It's up there, this. Spo- oh, okay. Sports Talk WPG on Twitter. There we are, here we are. And we're also right. on um, Facebook. I put up the update today. We did have some other Jets news. Eric Comrie being nominated for the Bill Masterton by the Pro Hockey Writers. That's pretty cool. Good congratulations to him. Yeah, I mean, and you know, Eric joined us, what was it, about two weeks ago on the program? after he set the Moose record for all-time wins. And, you know, it was it was a bit of an eye-opener talking to him directly about all... Like, he really became the king of quarantine. I mean, he was just bouncing around from place to place and, you know, setting up shop in hotels for two weeks at a time. Um, now, listen, I think this, this award is going to go to Oscar Lindbaum. I have a hard time imagining anybody else winning the Masterton Award considering, you know, what he's come back from. Um, but certainly, I think it was a, it was nice. It was a great choice by the pro hockey writers here in Manitoba and Winnipeg to vote for Eric Comrie. And, you know, he is just a young man, Remus, that everyone loves. Um, you know, it's hard to to speak, hear him speak, be around him and not just feel the the, ener- the positive energy that he brings. Um, so anyways, he, it was a great choice. Um, very well deserved. Not sure what the future holds for Comrie, whether it's here or elsewhere. But certainly over the last few years, all roads have led back to Winnipeg and um, valued member of this organization and a very deserving member of the Masterton nominee or nomination from uh, for the Winnipeg Jets. Yes, uh, it was for what? Perseverance and dedication to hockey. Comrie's definitely shown that. And I know Paul Maurice talked about it today. Just, uh, you know, a great guy, always positive, always doing great. And we've talked to him a number of times uh, always great to talk to you. Always very uh, welcoming, and you know, you know, gives some good insight on what he's, uh, you know, his training and everything. So, big fan of Eric Comrie, just an all-around great guy, and he will be backing up uh, Lauren Brossois tonight when the Jets take on Vancouver. Um, all right, great to see everyone here right off the hop to get going for another week of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Um, first of all, Remus, thank yous are in order to everybody because. We just hit the 4,000 number for YouTube subscriptions, which is a big milestone. Now we've pushed to 5K, uh, but the fact that we've been able to get here as quickly as we've had, um, it, you know, obviously there's been a lot of work by a lot of people to get here and to make it happen. Uh, but the biggest thank you to the people that are joining us every day, liking, sharing, telling friends about it, and uh, helping us grow uh, one listener and viewer at a time. Yeah, that definitely um, definitely is a crazy accomplishment. 4,000 YouTube subs. We've been doing this just over two months now. Uh, we are on the other social media, so if you're not following us on there, Instagram, Facebook, uh, some some good content coming up on those. Um, on those. So uh, pretty crazy. We're, we've made it this far, and we're really just getting started. Um, absolutely. I'll echo that. Now, shout out to James Robinson, who got in, and I believe was the first comment today, and what a beauty this is. That, you know, when you start off the comments on a Monday with, got Barry White queued up and I'm ready to caress that like button, you realize that our Winnipeg Sports Talk people yeah. are here ready to go. 
Um, uh, some shout outs to there's Jet Oil Tom, Paula Detz here. Hey, Caleb Loudon, first time watching and I'm pumped. Great to have you with us. Yeah, we do it live every day at one o'clock. Uh, otherwise, you can pick it up in your podcast a little later on. Destructions here. Taylor Euler Miller, happy Monday. Taylor is especially excited to see Hanela and Stanley in the lineup tonight. And Reem, as far as that goes, it, it's going to be interesting. I think Philly's going to have an opportunity to show Maurice a couple things tonight. A, he can play on his offside. That's where he'll be with, paired with Josh Morrissey. Um, that he can handle playing with one of the top players on, on the team and probably some pretty significant ice time. Um, and we also may see him, you know, with some power play time. We did mm-hmm. on Saturday. He was going to be quarterbacking the uh, the two unit with Neil Pionk out. Josh Morrissey still handling uh, on to the top. Uh, who knows? Maybe even at some point we'll see Stanley and Halen play together. I kind of doubt that. I, and especially, listen, I'm sure Billy Halen is quite pleased with getting an opportunity to play with Josh Morrissey. Um, and then you got Forbort with DeMello and Logan Stanley and Jordy Ben with that final pairing for the first of two back-to-back against Vancouver makeup games. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. Uh, I'll give a spoiler. I may have Billy Hainala in my DraftKings lineup Ooh. tonight. Getting first, you know, he's min-priced, 2500 playing top line and playing power play. It's all about opportunity and fantasy, and he's definitely going to get that tonight. Uh, one thing we do have to mention, though, I know we're focusing on the defense. We talked about them. We're talking about the goaltending. Hellbuck had a, you know, he's got a bit of a minor thing, so he's being held out. Brossois starting. We haven't talked about the forwards. We can focus on, you know, the last D pairing all we want, but it really has been the top guys not getting it done during this losing streak. Well, not a losing streak, but they are one and eight in the last nine. Uh, this is a poor stretch. You're going to need more from Shifley. You're going to need more from Kyle Connor. Um, and also Pierre-Luc Dubois, it seems like they're trying to accommodate him by shuffling around some of the lines. Uh, we saw it on the weekend, Cop, Dubois, Perot. Now yeah, Stan- Cop, Cop yeah. moving up to that line is interesting, mm-hmm. and that's the way it looks like it's going to be uh, today. Dubois playing with Perot and Cop, Stastny alongside Adam Lowry and Mason Appleton, and uh, Harkins in on that fourth line with uh, Nate Thompson and Trevor Lewis. Connor Shafley Wheeler still holding down the number one minutes on that top line. And, you know, listen, a big part of this is trying to get Pierre-Luc Dubois going. The biggest boost to, I think, Dubois and the top six is going to be when Nikolai Ehlers comes back. And Ehlers has been skating right now, not fully participating. I can't imagine, considering what he's dealing with, that we'll see him at any point before the playoffs, Reem. Um, but right now, with the situation the Jets are in, as much as I think they'd love to have the full unit come together and start clicking before they go up against, likely, the Edmonton Oilers in the first round, um, they would do that. But right now, I think far more important is making sure the likes of Ehlers, Neil Pionk, Tucker Pullman in this case today, and even Connor Hellebach, who's going to be sitting out tonight, Loren Brassois gets the start, are 100% ready to go for when the puck drops on the playoffs. Yeah, I I, I agree. Um you know, make sure. I think first and foremost, make sure everything's healthy, and you gotta hope that this team can figure out how to flip a switch when it comes off. Maybe you can do some get right here against Vancouver, who you know hasn't been very good, and they're really this is the definition of playing out the string for for Vancouver, and they're gonna have what those games at the end of the year against Calgary that uh, are pretty pretty meaningless. Well, well, they aren't right now, as yeah. of yet. Like Montreal has two games against Edmonton, and they have to get a point, otherwise. And it, and this is the crazy thing. Those games are Monday, Tuesday, or Monday, Wednesday. So Wednesday night, we'll know whether Edmonton has done the Flames the ultimate favor. And if Edmonton wins these two games against Montreal, 
Calgary will have four games against the Vancouver Canucks. And if they can run the table in those four games, they'll make the playoffs, which I think will definitely screw up the scheduling. We could be waiting a little bit longer in the North Division, um, unless, of course, Edmonton takes care of it. And I'm not sure there's a scenario where the playoffs could begin before the regular season actually ends. I think I was mentioning to you on the weekend. I mean, maybe if that is the case and Calgary and Vancouver are both eliminated, but they have to play the game, maybe on when the playoffs start, they can play that game at like 10 a.m. Kind of like, uh, you know, like in a minor hockey tournament, you have the consolation final. And yeah. then you kind of get to the real playoff. This would be sort of like the, the B-side final couple more games between Calgary and Vancouver that people could watch, people could bet on, and it's just like a bit of an appetizer before you get the real playoff hockey later on in the night. That's They should have some kind of uh, award for those games, some participation award. Say, hey, you guys finish your season after everyone else, you know, start the playoffs. Congrats. Well, I mean, we'll wait and see um, about uh, Calgary, but for the Jets, I mean, they're trying to get their game right heading into the playoffs. You want to feel good. We'll see, you know, what the rosters are like for that last game against Toronto. Maybe Toronto will opt to uh, to rest some guys. But uh, I gotta be honest, like you know, the Jets and Edmonton. You see the way Connor McDavid's playing, hitting 100 points on the season <laughs> over the weekend, and what Connor McDavid has done to the Jets all year. And the way the Jets are playing, 1-8 and eight in their last night, hard to be very optimistic about them. But you know what? Once you get into the playoffs, it is a brand new season. And hopefully Ehlers is ready. But uh, I know there are a lot of Jets fans very afraid of seeing Connor McDavid in the, in, in the playoffs. That's for sure. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Man, he's just unbelievable right now. And, and I don't know if anyone, let us know in the chat if you jumped on with us on Friday. Um, we talked about it a little bit on the program, and then Dusty and I got into it on the lock shop, and we were looking at the cool bet numbers, and we talked to Chris and made a point that they had an over three and a half bet for Saturday's game. And to put it into perspective, the over three and a half points a couple games ago was plus 820. It was less than half of that for Saturday, because I think everyone knew that that was going to be the goal yeah. for McDavid and the Oilers to get the record. And uh, it was plus 370. And it cashed. So if you if you bet him to get the record Saturday night, you were rewarded. Even if you got the over two and a half, it was two plus two twenty. Um, the over one and a half was almost a given. I think that was about minus one fifty by the time got going, which is just insane. But um, man, a hundred points in fifty three games, Remus. Uh, I was talking to Dusty a little earlier today, and you know when you compare some of the greatest Gretzky seasons and compare you know where Gretzky was to the other top scores, um, you know, they're, 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 it's pretty darn close. And again, the dry sidle numbers maybe are a little bit different because, of course, he was playing with Connor McDavid quite a bit. But he, I believe, has more assists than the third-place scorer in the league. And that's only happened a couple times, uh, a very few times. And when it's been done, it was been done by 99. So um, 99 has all the, all the records and is the legend in the league. But 97 is creating his own new chapter of greatness. And 100 points in 53 games is going to be a number that, well, that'll be the, probably the one statistical number that I think stands out for everybody from this very strange 2021 season. Yeah. And I know there's going to be a lot of discussion about uh, the Hart Trophy. I, I mean, I don't think there's any debate that it's Connor McDavid, just how much better he is. Never I know Austin Matthews has had a great season, uh, scoring 40 <laughs> goals. But, uh, I mean, McDavid, he, as you just said, more assists than, what, the third-place guy has points. 
So uh, incredible. And, and you see all the numbers, you know, era adjusted. I mean, he's putting up numbers similar to what like Gretzky and Lemieux were and how much better he is than everyone else. And we're seeing, we've seen that against the Jets. I mean, uh, you know, the acceleration, the speed, stick handling. Uh, it's incredible to watch. And maybe we're not appreciating it as much as we should be, but... If the Jets play the Oilers in the first round, I'm of the appreciating playoffs. it now. I'm not going to yeah. be appreciating will it in a week. I think that's you, the safe yeah. to say. <laughs> Today we'll give him a nice clap. Way to go, Connor! You're yeah. amazing. Next week it's going to be about the Winnipeg Jets can shut it down. Oh, hey, Royal Sports in the chat. What up, Greg? I don't know what I'm more excited about. Eric Fisher not going back to the Chiefs. He signed with the Colts to protect Carson Wentz's left side. Or Tebow going to the Jaguars. Definitely excited about Tim Tebow. Let's let's get a Tim yeah. Tebow 2.0 as a tight end in Jacksonville. Why the heck not? What was he doing trying to play baseball? Like, how much money did he <laughs> just lose by that? Uh, not, I don't know if that was a smart business decision, but Tim Tebow in Jacksonville, I think the, I don't know, the Jags could be, they got a quarterback now. You have maybe, to follow maybe, your heart. Yeah, maybe they'll do some trick plays and Te- we can see Tebow <clears throat> launch one. Like he did in the playoffs against the Steelers. You all remember that, Huss, of course. <laughs> hey, 80-yard so. OT winner in, in overtime. I mean, yeah. what more do you want from a guy? Yeah, all guys. you can do is go out and win. Yeah, sure, it was a two-yard pass and a 78 yards of yak for Demarius oh, Thomas after he threw oh, the ball. I remembered but. it as a long bomb. I don't remember <laughs> that happening. I remember <laughs> it as a, as a as hey, accurate deep throw. <laughs> You know what? Speaking of Royal Sports, um, got to thank the guys, obviously, for their great support from day one with us here. And, you know, right now, um, you know, we're seeing more closures. Of course, you know, kids are going to be out of school come Wednesday. There's never been a more important time to have activities and things that people can do safely together outside at a distance. And I was talking to the guys about disc golf and how many more people are getting into that. And they actually have things that you can set up. You don't necessarily need to go to your own course things that you can set up and sort of create your own, uh, whether it's at a park or even on your street. So if you're challenged right now with some things for the kids to do, I mean, they've got everything there, soccer, baseball, you know, hockey, bikes, of course, which are in heavy demand right now. Um, But you might want to check out disc golf. And we're going to have some fun doing that a little later on this summer, hopefully with some of the people. But again, Royal Sports, 650 (laughs) Rally and EK and 750 Pemina Highway. They've got it all set up. It's funny you mentioned disc golf, Huss, because I've noticed this lately. So we have the Winnipeg Sports Talk YouTube account. And we're both logged in, you know, so you can see and like comment and do stuff. <laughs> I know where you're going. And with this. it recommends you videos you can watch. And I don't know if you're seeing. I try not to go on this account and watch videos. I don't want you to see what I'm watching, but I see, keep seeing it recommend us how to throw disc golf videos. <laughs> and I'm just like, hustler must be searching for disc golf on this account. Well, I did. In fact, I subscribed. We are a subscribe. I think it's to Jomez Pro or something like that. And that has the, they basically broadcast the pro tournaments. Yeah. And so when I was trying, I've been betting on disc golf. Uh, and no. And doing some th- picks for the wide that? world of wage. I got, hey, I hit Ricky Wysocki at four to one. In the uh, in the Texas Open two weeks ago, so um, so yes, I've been watching, and I figured that was the other thing, Reem. Too, if we're gonna play and we're gonna bring a bunch of people out for the first time that haven't really played, I'd like like to see what the best players do beforehand. Um, so I've been watching some pros, and then I'll be mentally, I'll be way ahead of the game for everyone else, even if I haven't really developed the skills to do that. So yes. Um, we'll, we will play at some point this summer. Royal Sports is where you want to go to get the uh, get the disc and get everything else to take care of 
you know, you, your family, and have what fun you can outside right now. Of course, big shout out to Not Autocorp as well. Um, you know, at a time like these, you know, we have seen a lot of people decide, you know, they haven't been traveling, they haven't been doing other things. Maybe it's time to upgrade to a great new vehicle and nowhere better to do that than not Autocorp right now. And, you know, if you are right now staying home, don't want to get out, they've got an amazing website, go to not.ca or simply give them a phone call. They can walk you through everything. Um, you can pop in, you can do some things online. They'll even kind of give you a live tour through the dealership if you'd like to do it that way. Um, whatever works, whatever is safe, not will take care of it for you. And also talk to them about that great consignment program that has helped so many Win- Winnipeggers get into new vehicles. Not Autocorp, online at not.ca. And a big shout-out to Nick and Nikki from the Nick and Nikki DQ Group, DQ Niverville, Northgate, Polo Park, and St. Anne's. And I did see some beautiful Mother's Day cakes out there. Hopefully you took care, good care of mum on the weekend. And Nick and Nikki still have that evening two for five treat special after five o'clock right now. And um, as I mentioned, nothing makes that special occasion better than a DQ cake. You can follow them on Instagram at DQ Manitoba and even make an order right over IG. Um, let's talk some Jets right now and welcome in... Our good friend, the one and only Marat Atash. Marat, how are you, my friend? Oh, I'm doing great. Uh, so how are you guys doing today? Uh, you know what? Just getting through another day. It's weird times around here. Weird times. Um, you know, normally you'd have this incredible excitement of spring being here and obviously the team going to the playoffs. But spring, while it looks like it's spring outside, it's a little different for all of us on our lives. And it's hard to imagine this. If, you, if I told you, Murat, that we were having this conversation after 53 games and the Jets would have an X beside their name and we'd be getting ready for the playoffs, I would imagine that we would not, could not have conceived the amount of questions and uncertainty around this team at this very point, considering where they are. I mean, they won one in their last nine games. They got three more to go, but they will be a playoff team. And none of this will really matter if they can get off on a good foot against Edmonton. Uh, But it does seem like there's still a lot of work to do for this hockey club to uh, get going on all Jets. I'm reminded so much. Actually, hold on just a second. I'll tell you what I'm reminded of, but I got to do this. Got to do this. Looking good. The WST mug, everybody. Give us a like for that. Absolutely. Thank you. You know, a few days ago, I, I got home from the grocery store and there was just a box on my doorstep and Winnipeg Sports Talk mug was in that box. It was the greatest thing that could have happened. <laughs> and I'm not a shill. Why am I doing this? So here we go. I am, I'm reminded of 2019. I'm reminded of that long, stumbling preamble of that St. Louis Blues series where in the before times when we were allowed to go into the dressing room and it was safe to do so, and we would talk to the players and sort of, you know, one-on-one, aside from everything, so how does this thing look? You know, you guys have struggled of late. There's been this long descent. What's going to happen? And you'd have guys like Patrick Laine saying, no, don't worry about it. No matter what happens, we're winning this series because he was brazen like that. And so you hear this talk, and it was asked again this morning, can Winnipeg flip the switch? Is that something that the Jets can do? Because clearly, you watch Paul Maurice on Saturday night, his post-game presser, or even the words he's saying today about how this is getting ready for the playoffs now. He's resting, guys. Pullman, dinged up, could play, isn't. Pionk, dinged up, could play, isn't. Hellebuck, the same thing, getting the night off. There is this sense to me that they have accepted that this week almost doesn't matter, in a lot of ways, and 
everything is going to be about their ability to figure their shit out, so to speak, in time for game one of the playoffs. And I think, just to wrap this up, I mean, it's been a bit of a, of a monologue. I think that this is, Winnipeg's not as bad as a one and, one and eight team now. But they weren't as good as that team putting winning streaks together earlier. That team was still propped up by goaltending. That team was still propped up by elite finishing on rush chances, which have more or less disappeared of late as well. So it's not the case of a perfect team that's gone sour. It's been kind of an average, you know, fourth place, third place, whatever it's going to be. Seems about apt for these guys. Uh, and they're probably better than this, this mess we've seen of late. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you on that. And, and you know, it was funny. Matt Leibel was on with me. It was about two weeks ago. It was sort of like I think after that Toronto game where they won, right around the beginning of the of the winning streak, or the losing streak, excuse me, <laughs> the exact opposite of a winning streak, in fact. And Leibel said something interesting because, you know, we were talking about, all right, there's a dozen games left. I mean, what are they playing for? What are they looking to do? And Matt said simply, that once it seemed like first place was out of the picture, that was around when this happened. He said, you know, this is that we're not going to really learn anything about the team over the next little bit. And, you know, I mean, I guess I was there for part of the argument, but as we go forward into this final week of the season, I've sort of come around to that in that this is the plot that they're in. You hope that they've gone through the skid and frankly, just gotten it out of their systems and, you know, kind of recalibrated themselves as they need to for the playoffs. Um, but again, I mean, going into this week, I mean, what can we, what are we going to learn this week? I mean, I guess, you know, for tonight in particular, Marat, I think the things that most people will be watching closely, how does Billy Hanela do with Josh Morrissey, Logan Stanley's back in the lineup. I mean, I think there is an opportunity for those two young guys in particular to really put a good foot forward and reminding Paul Maurice that they are, absolutely options for him going into the into the playoffs um and then up front well maybe we'll get to the the forwards in a second because there's been a few interesting changes but speaking of the blue line I mean what did you make of Vahanala playing with Morrissey today on his offside I mean you want an opportunity to prove that you can play against better players tougher matchups and really bring you know that extra added bonus of being able to play the offside seems like a pretty good chance for Billy to show what he can do yeah, and with Pullman and Pionk out, somebody's going to have to be on their offside, and so it's going to be Hanela with Morrissey and then Ben with Stanley. Uh, we'll get to Ben in a second. But Hanela has some experience playing on his offside. It's not brand new to him. The idea of going on his offside on the top pair, uh, and, and he'll probably be seeing top six matchups exclusively, I mean, that's going to be a challenge for him to be sure. I have really enjoyed his level of play, not just with the puck. We know he can move the puck. He's a zone exit machine. Um, I don't have too much time for the argument that the goal against on the Hellebuck giveaway was his fault, like communication or no, to tell you the truth. Um, But physically, he's been able to do things for me that protect the puck in ways that I wasn't sure if he could. And for me, I'm watching him in battles behind the net, and he's keeping the puck He's turning his hips and his shoulders so that he's playing the puck at the absolute maximum distance away from the guy on his back. When he's gapping up, when he makes a decision in the neutral zone that, hey, this is my guy, it's time for me to attack the puck, he goes. He takes away time and space so quickly and effectively. I'm not saying he stepped into all-star mode. I'm not saying he's a top pair NHL defenseman at this stage of the game. But believe me, the things that he's supposed to do well and some things he's not supposed to be able to do well, I think we've seen that so far. I'll couch that in this, though. 
if you look at the way the lineup's structured right now, with Morrissey and Hainalo on that top pair and Stanley and Ben on the bottom pair, and you consider that every time you ask Maurice if, if Villahano is a playoff option and he starts talking about size and battle and all that sort of stuff, I think it's actually, I'm not sold that him being ahead of Stanley on this on tonight's depth chart means he's ahead of him in the likelihood to play. Stanley alongside Ben in that third pairing role, that's the job that's available should the playoffs make a rookie an option. And that might be a little bit more close to, to the job Stanley would get when it's go time. Yeah, I, I'm, I agree um, with what you just said. But going back to the original point, Vili Hainel's play away from the puck has been, uh, I'm, it's been more than adequate. I mean, it, I think it's been really effective. It has been you know, always, one of the first, no matter what you're talking about, what he does, it seems like he's been doing it smart, you know, doing it with intelligence. And I'll tell you what, not as maybe as much last game, but the previous couple that he was then lined up around, one of the things that really stood out to me was just how well he was positioning himself in front of the net, in between the goaltender, and you know, just being in the way enough to create room for Connor Hellebuck to see the puck. I mean, that was particularly in the game against Calgary that they won. I yes. thought he did a very, very good job of that. And I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm watching the game just like everyone else is, and presumably just like the coaches. Um, those are important things for an undersized defenseman to be able to do because if he can do that well, a lot of the other things that he brings to the table, frankly, are superior than to some of the other guys that they have in the lineup. Well, notice when they're chasing the game and the morrissey Hanela pairing comes out uh, on uh, Saturday, what day of the Friday, what day of the week is this? I have no idea. Yeah, but it's Saturday. <laughs> thank you so much, Us. Um, the lot's going on in the world at large. So that's, you know, that's a show of confidence in his puck skills. That second power play unit time is a show of confidence in his puck skills. But I'm like you. The question is supposed to be, can this guy play in those physical battles? And against Calgary. And Calgary has been such a a lesson that I think Winnipeg has almost taken too seriously over the course of the year. That postseason series last year, Winnipeg getting out-muscled in front, losing some battles on the board, of course, the Hellebuck giveaway as well. Um, There are some issues in net front coverage in that series, and I think that's why you see such love for size and grit on Winnipeg's blue line this year. So if that's the issue, and then you have Andrew Mangiapane, one of the most dangerous flames in that playoff series, unable to get body position on Ville Hainala because Hainala's boxed him out so perfectly, the puck floats by harmlessly. To me, that's proof that this guy's in that battle and he can make a difference, not only in the areas where he's supposed to be strong, but the areas he's supposedly not supposed to be able to keep pace as well. And for me, he's a, he's easily well within Winnipeg's best six defensemen. Who, um, like, let's just look ahead for a minute while we're talking about the blue line. Who's... Dylan DeMello's defense partner in game one. Well, I mean, some of this depends on health of, of the rest of the team, and some of it depends on what Paul Maurice is wanting to do on that top pair. For me, the easy solution, if if we're going to take Forbert and Pionk as as a, like an accomplished pairing that that Winnipeg won't get away from. The easy solution is to put Dylan DeMello on that top pair with Josh Morrissey. I've been all all over this all season. It's the only pairing where Josh Morrissey has positive shot metrics on the season or chance metrics or expected goals. Without him, it simply doesn't happen. Yes, neither of those guys are are destructive, um, heavy hitters. They get the job done. They move the puck quickly and effectively out of their zone. DeMello is an effective calm veteran. Morrissey can, can work with them really well. But... 
if we start to see Morrissey and Neil Pionk as a partnership, and that's something Paul Maurice has talked about a lot, and we've even seen it, well, then to me, DeMello becomes that second pairing veteran. And so maybe that's what tonight's game is, an audition for Derek Forbert, who has looked you know, certainly tired to me in the last little while, and certainly his play's come off a little bit. Maybe DeMello's the answer on, on that pair. Either way, for me, more DeMello, the better. Burying him on the third pairing to protect a rookie doesn't matter if he's only playing 10 minutes a night. Coming out of the Calgary game, I said on the show on Friday, I guess, you know, we were talking about some of the things that Philly did so well and how he certainly looked like he belonged out there. Um, I, I got talking about possibly putting Hanela with DeMello, like we saw in that game. And... You know, if that was the case, then, you know, potentially, you know, like we did see at times Pullman playing with Forbort, and that would allow Morrissey and Pionk to play together. I, I'm interested, what do you think it would take to have Pionk and Morrissey play together? Would that be like, you know, uh, if they're down in the series, they go to that as sort of plan B or in case of emergency break glass? Or is that, do you think, an option that they might go with earlier on in the series, just considering that? You know, with everything else that they've done against Edmonton in the last six meetings, uh, well, we all know what the record is. <laughs> uh, I mean, as much as we're in pre-playoffs mode right now and, and they're being cautious with, you know, bumps and bruises, I do think that there's a method to the experimentation right now. So um, when we saw Morrissey and Pionk together, I think that's being done for a reason. I think that that is a viable option for the team to go to. And so I like the handle of DeMello pairing. So I didn't, I didn't suggest that a second ago when you asked the question, Hus, but the reason I didn't is because I conceive of them as Winnipeg's version of a third pair. You put those two guys together, I trust them to play tougher competition, move the puck better, and be more dynamic on the other end of the ice as well than that Forbort and Pullman pairing as well. So if it's a matter of I get to choose exactly how it, how it is, you put those two guys together, and to the extent you can, you play them as your second pair, not your third. All right, Murata Tesh with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. By the way, I want to give a shout out to Boston Pizza. Um, We know, and, you know, thinking about everybody involved in the service industry right now, I mean, whether you're working in a restaurant, whether you're doing personal services like haircuts or whatnot, um, really unfortunate that we're back where we are right now. Uh, But again, you know, certainly we'd love you to support your local Boston Pizza, but any local restaurant right now, they really do need the help. Um, so there's going to be doing a lot of takeout orders going forward. And uh, tonight, we've got a game night. Get that game night deal. Or, or why don't you try that playoff pizza flight um, with the Meteor, the pierogi, and the bourbon barbecue chicken pizzas. Um, great stuff. Three mini pizzas, three dips, $18.99. You'll also get registered to call your shot with Boston Pizza. Um, and our friends over at Little Brown Jug um, have said, you know, what a great way to, uh, you know, get ready for summer. How about thinking about winning a 1919 mini fridge at all bottle shops in Winnipeg? No better way to keep your favorite Little Brown Jug brews cold than your very own 1919 mini fridge. All month long, you can enter to win the 1919 fridge at any bottle stop location in Winnipeg. Simply stop by your little bottle stop connected to Canada Inns, pick up your favorite little brown jug brews, and scan the QR code on the display or on the stickers found on cases of 1919 eight packs. You can also grab a free 1919 koozie from the display to keep your beer its coldest during the warm weather. Um, and by the way, those aren't just any koozies. They're 16-ounce koozies, proper size for 
the 16-ounce Little Brown Jugs. Pick it up at your favorite spot. You can also check them out online at littlebrownjug.ca. All right, Murat, let's get to the forwards. Listen, before we talk about the changes from line two, line three, whoa, what's what's the latest on the top line right now? What do they need to do to, um, are they doing the right things and just not getting production? Or do you think that Paul Maurice needs more out of that top unit? I think there's a little bit of both, to be honest. I don't think that they've been awful since they got put back together, but they have not been dominant. And dominance is what Paul Maurice is, is selling as the goal, to be sure, right? I mean, we remember... 2017-18 best team that Winnipeg's ever seen that was the line that was the line and they did so much damage and then we keep seeing the team go back to that against the flow of results it's not necessarily happening so you look and you see them not take over the game since since they've really been back as a line Kyle Connors on a particularly big you know scoring slump and you're looking at him overhandle plays that like Kyle Connor in the middle of a hot streak would have scored three goals on uh, Saturday night I think you told me it was Saturday um, in terms of the opportunities he's getting. So for me, I don't see that cheat in their game that you sometimes see, that you sometimes sincerely see. Shifley high in the zone, um, especially Connor as well. You're seeing some back checks that you'd really appreciate. You're seeing Shifley support the puck down low, which you'd really appreciate. I genuinely think that the, the process there in the defensive zone is fine, and that's where a lot of the criticism is right now. But for me, it's their inability to move up the ice and establish his own time. That's the main issue. These are supposed to be Winnipeg's most dominant offensive players, and you're seeing them get thrown back time and time again by, you know, an Ottawa Senators neutral zone trap situation. Um, and they need to figure out a way around that. And if, if it turns into chips into corners, well, then those guys need to play that heavy playoff-style hockey that turns those pucks back over and leads to long offensive zone time. There was that really nice play um, for the goal that they did score to make it 3-2 towards the end of that game, where it's just a nice chip pass, an area pass behind the defenseman that Shifley was able to streak in on. They still have something. They still have that. But if, look, they're the top line, and they're not going to do what Matthews can do, and they're not going to do what McDavid can do. They're not going to do what Dreisaitl can do. They're not going to do what Marner can do. But they've got to come close if Winnipeg has a prayer, and they haven't. Yeah, that is all fair. Um and you know what's interesting you mentioned? I'm spending a lot more time just watching the Jets in terms of playing Edmonton because, I mean, I think it's highly likely that that will happen. And, you know, as much as Jet fans were probably happy to see the 100-point big milestone on Saturday night, you then were dreaming of Connor McDavid and what he's done to the Jets this year and realized that he's probably coming up in a week or so. But it specifically, you mentioned that trapping that Ottawa was doing. And at times, the Jets will sort of default to dumping it in and going and trying and changing it. And I think back to how badly they were victimized by Mike Smith. And I know there was a, somebody in the chat was, was talking about, you know, I, I, this wasn't as much comment about Hellebach, but it was, you know, sometimes he does handle the puck like it's a hand grenade with a pin pulled. But... Mike Smith is the opposite of that. I mean, he is essentially like a third defenseman out there at times. And, you know, how the Jets figure out how to gain zone control without giving it to Mike Smith and having it go right back the other way, I think is going to be, I mean, that is almost going to be where it starts, I think, especially for that top line. Uh, because let's face it, if you don't have the puck on your stick in there end, it's hard to score goals. Yeah, look. Put this in your see if this makes sense in the memory banks kind of deal. Once upon a time, there was a defenseman on the Winnipeg Jets named Dustin Bufflin, and we all know the highlight reels. But there was a breakout pass 
in the neutral zone that you would see time and time again where Bufflin would become a fourth forward, essentially. He'd bust up the right wing wall, and he'd get a pass from whether it was Kyle Connor or Blake Wheeler, depending on who ended up on the left wing wall as part of Winnipeg's slash breakout, where the pass would come underneath the neutral zone pressure on Winnipeg's safe side of it. Bufflin would hit it at time. The Jets would have a four-on-three at the offensive blue line. We haven't seen that in ages. Obviously, that takes a special player um, to do that. Winnipeg doesn't have that. But it is, for me, a compelling argument for Morrissey Pionk to be an option, or at the very least for more upward aggression from Winnipeg's defensemen. Because if you're, if you're facing a really tight team in the neutral zone and you are dumping and chasing and the goalie's picking it up every time, they're breaking it up clean against you, well, then the only way I can see around that is these short five-foot passes with players that are reading each other well, hitting the neutral zone at the right time and finding a gap to gain that zone entry. For me, the only way you do that, if you're getting outmanned three-on-three, three-on-four at the line every time, is to activate defense. And maybe that turns into firewagon in hockey. Maybe you don't want to do that against Connor McDavid, specifically when he's on the ice. But I don't see too many other routes for extended zone time based off successful entries. All right, Murat, so past the top line, we're going to see a different look tonight. I mean, Pierre-Luc Dubois, it has just been a um, a carousel of different wingers alongside him. Tonight, he'll go with Matthew Perot and Andrew Kopp. And what's notable about this is that it does split up that Lowry-Kopp-Appleton line that, you know, has been so good. And even through this losing streak, I think you could probably point to it as being the most effective and consistent line. Um, what do you make of putting Cop up alongside Dubois, and what do you think the coach is trying to do? Well, it's interesting to me because I don't know that Andrew Cop is is a is a wildly dynamic offensive player in a way that Paul Stastny isn't. But he's certainly playing well. He was the shot leader the other night. He's going to the dirty areas of the ice. He's he's having a good year. He's you know having a career year at that. So for me, stylistically, both of Cop and Stastny are responsible. They're gonna they're gonna play on the safe side of the puck, and then they're going to they're going to go to the middle of the ice at, at key times. Sure, Cop definitely has more speed, so perhaps that's an angle as well. Um, for me, Dubois at this stage is is I think we need to be clear about expectations, right? When we watched, was it fifteen games of Pierre Luc Dubois in Columbus to set him up for for the Winnipeg Jets? The, the disclaimer that I wrote in, in that article at The Athletic was, this is not a player who's going to bulldoze his way to success. He is a playmaker. He is a guy that makes smart passes. He's not going to be that, that player running people over all of the time. It'll be about positioning. It'll be about the timing of passes. And I think that there, in addition to the lack of offense from him right now, there's this sense that like, okay, why isn't he trucking people? And maybe he has that to get to in the playoffs. Maybe that he has the ability to get to that later in his career. But right now, he's a straight-line speed player with good passing instincts. And now he's got two of Winnipeg's best possession wingers on his lines with Kopp and Perot. Ideally, all you really want is zone time for him, just that he can you know, get touches and, and get in a situation where he's making passes to dangerous areas in an attempt to get him going in time for the playoffs. So let's just talk about Ehlers here for a minute because he's been skating. He will certainly play a very you know important and hopefully impactful role as soon as he's ready to return to the lineup. Does this sort of foreshadow potentially simply making the one change when Ehlers comes into the lineup, plopping Ehlers beside Dubois on that line, moving Perot down to the fourth line and presumably Jansen Harkins comes out and you're keeping the top line together and you're keeping Stasny along with uh, Adam Lowry and Appleton? 
You know, I think that there's a lot of logic to that. Connor Sifley Wheeler was always going to be the go-to. It's what Paul Maurice knows and loves. And then that Matthew Perot does absolutely seem like, in some ways, he's playing great. He's had a tremendous season. Like, I think that we need to think of Matthew Perot's year as, as, as a really special thing, even though in the last couple of seasons he hasn't been able to do what he's done so far this year. But he does seem like that placeholder. He does seem like that is the Nick Euler spot. He's had such tremendous success as a second-line right wing. And we're just talking about getting through the neutral zone and establishing zone time. Well, who does that better than Nick Ehlers? You're going to look for minutes there. And so whether it becomes Cop Dubois and Ehlers, which you genuinely believe can have success, or perhaps Cop Stastny and Ehlers, where we've had, we saw success very, very early on in the season as well, there's something there. You know Lowry and Appleton are going to be two-thirds of that third line, and you know that Jansen Harkins is coming out, and it's going to be Perot, Thompson, Lewis when it's go time. So I think we're very, very close to knowing exactly what the forward lines are going to look like pending Nick Ehlers' return. So let's take it to tonight's game, Rot. I mean, we've sort of talked about some of the storylines around what the lineup is going to look like. We kind of realized that the position that the Jets are in and in all likelihood is not going to change. I mean, what are you looking for tonight and tomorrow against Vancouver? What what are the things that are going to be the focus of you, considering that in the big picture, uh, the result and what it does to the standings will be relatively insignificant, and it's really going to get important in a week? Yeah, I mean, it's tough because, you know, as much as I have time for the argument that that these few games are about playoff preparation and there's a sense of, okay, what are we going to learn? They don't matter. Um, I believed that from the trade deadline to about Saturday, they did absolutely matter. Like that, that there was so much pride on the line. There was a chance where Winnipeg, you know, had they beaten Toronto at the right times, could have played their way into first. Put all that side. Put put all that aside. It's it's a sunk cost. Let's not over. No, let's not overreach. Now it's about what these next couple of games are going to look like. All I care about is the cliche that we've heard too many times from too many people. But it's whether or not they're playing the right way. And for me, that's your star players playing on the safe side of the puck before it goes the other way. That's Shifley and Kyle Connor for for. Uh, to use two specific names that have had stretches of really good, even through this offensive stretch, Kyle Connor has made some great back checks. He's he's out there, he's trying. But I'm looking for those two guys to get going in, in a real way. Um, certainly, you'd like to see some sparks from Dubois, though I'm I'm still in a holding pattern, wait and see. I'm not expecting that Toronto Maple Leaf series from last year as 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 his starting point. I think he has to work towards getting there. And then for me, it's all about the defense. It's about Ville Hainala and can he do enough to make it obvious to everybody who's important that he is one of Winnipeg's not top six defensemen, but probably top four at this stage of his ability in, in, on both ends of the rink. Uh, can Logan Stanley continue to, to have the strong season that he started with as well? I mean, we know the offense exists if they can get into good situations the defense is what it's going to come down to. Can they or can they not hold? And we need signs that they they have some shot at all. And for me, that comes from Hanela. It comes from DeMello. It comes from Stanley. Marat, I believe it was yesterday. Um, coach was talking about, you know, the upcoming games, where they're at, the final week of the season. And he said something that was interesting. And he was speaking about, to your point, playing the right way and playing defense. And it was a stark, very truthful admission that if they don't do the right things, they have no chance against either the Leafs or the Edmonton Oilers with the offense that they're coming in. But then he said that despite the results of the last month, 
he feels better about where the team is now as opposed to where they were there, where they were at that point. Um, I, and, and I found it interesting in that I wasn't sure whether he was being truthful or um, sort of trying to create a self-fulfilling prophecy, if you will, that, you know, they have. Because, listen, they have been working on a bunch of things that I think, you know, we all agree need to happen if they are going to have some success. I guess the question is, have we seen enough of that? And are they in a in a better position when it comes to what they really need to focus on and hope that the goals will come? Well, I think that the issue, so I, I almost see this from Paul Maurice's point of view, more so, because I've been critical about many lineup decisions. I, I wrote very critically uh, of Paul Maurice's decisions last weekend at, at The Athletic. But this particular quote, I, I, I kind of double-taked as well when he said it. And for me, I actually see more truth than, than falsity in it. I, I really do. I think that if you go back to that 6-1 loss against Edmonton where everything fell apart and, and then focus on those stretch of games where Winnipeg was really struggling, even when they were winning, when they shouldn't necessarily have been winning, the issue for me was too many freebies. Too many freebies where there's an extra long shift, um, Shifley comes over the boards without an opportunity for his linemate to get back into the play, or somebody cheats a back check, or somebody plays too high in the defensive zone, and Winnipeg gets lost, spends an extra shift in the, in the D zone, gets chances against. For me, in terms of process, that was the biggest issue. You can talk about ability of the defense core all you want. You can talk about that. But in terms of things Winnipeg had control over, process was that. And I think that Winnipeg is genuinely cheating the game less in these last few games. They haven't gotten results partially because the offense remains a problem. The neutral zone is a problem. But I think first and foremost, the one issue that they needed to believe in was that they weren't going to give you those freebies as often as that they were doing. So from that perspective, yeah, they are better. They are better than they've been. Is it good enough? Is it good enough to play against Toronto or Edmonton, I still don't believe it because the offense has come so far off. They have not created, they have not sustained. And that for me is just a, it's, it's stunning given the amount of offensive talent on the team. Well, everyone just expects 27 to get back in the lineup and all the problems to just be poof, gone. And uh, <laughs> wouldn't that, wouldn't that be nice? You do, you do really see how important he is to the Winnipeg Jets and what he allows, you know, both to happen when he's on the ice, but also I mean, he's a he's a matchup creator uh, or a problem matchup creator for opposing coaches as well. You know, if they are focusing on that top line, if you can have Ehlers playing at top Ehlers level, um, it completely changes the dynamic nature of that um, bottom end of the top six, if you want to call it that. Yeah, uh, absolutely. To, to me, he's been Winnipeg's most valuable forward this season. And like if Blake Wheeler is the heartbeat, if, if Mark Shifley is the franchise, Nick Ehlers is the best, most dynamic, actual forward that Winnipeg has played in this particular season. Uh, maybe for two seasons, maybe for a little longer. He can do so many things that give defenses fits, matchup issues. Um, his offense, given the amount of minutes that he plays, has been just spectacular. And where you see the other guys fall into some sort of predictable patterns, Nick Ehlers is not that. Where you see the other players struggle to to be dynamic against neutral zone defenses that are really well established, Nick Ehlers is not that. Um, and he's also a tough uh, word that I'm not sure if I can say. Like uh, he think about breaking his foot against St. Louis in the in that playoff series and coming back to play. I, I have no doubt we'll see some version of Nick Ehlers in the first round of the playoffs. And the question will just be: Is he dynamic as as he can be? Can he shoot? 
Hey, you know what? You brought up St. Louis, and I think everyone is having a little PTSD flashbacks to the way that that season ended and the players only meeting after game 81. And, you know, that they're really, I mean, they started off on home ice and lost the first two at home. Many people thought that the series wouldn't even get back to Winnipeg. I mean, that was, they really bottomed out going right into the playoffs. I think most people would agree that maybe for the Jets, that was, you know, a few games ago, albeit still sort of stuck in neutral. But, can what they learned from that St. Louis series and what they went through then, can that help them now? Um, in that I really do, I remember that series, you know, walking out of the building down to nothing and, you know, everyone basically saying that that was it. And then we were back in game five of a 2-2 series with the Jets up to nothing on a play that should have been 3 nothing, and maybe history's different. But um, listen, we all remember how that series ended. It was essentially a five-game series because when that goal went in, um, the Jets were done, and we saw in you know in Game Six. But I wonder, and again, maybe this is just trying to be an optimist. I mean, sometimes you have to learn hard lessons through losing, and they did that. Um, will that at all be helpful for them as they look to do the same thing, get out of a, a pretty low point of the season, and get ready for an incredible challenge during the Stanley Cup playoffs? I think it would be a valuable story to tell themselves. Like if you're sitting in that room looking for perspective and thinking to that series where the Jets did get up to a high level of play, even going down 0-2, in my opinion, that had been better hockey than they'd played since January or February of that year. It was a step up. But from So for me, I see value in it if the players see value in it. If it becomes a narrative that, that really gets pushed around, I'm not going to have too, too much issue with it. But for me, the... The thing that really differentiated that series was that, yes, Winnipeg raised its game and there was like there was a semblance of switch flipping. But at the key vital moments, there always seemed to be a mental mistake or an issue that St. Louis was able to jump on top of. And for me, that's a sign of even if you're good, which the Winnipeg Jets were and are capable of being when you're two weeks, three weeks, month like recent version of history is that when this play goes to hell, like the the shit's going to hit the fan. I think that you don't enter the playoffs as a mentally prepared team when, when those lessons are there. So I like the idea that, okay, well they were able to get to a good spot and yes, absolutely game five. Imagine the Jacob Truba play goes a different way or that Kevin Hayes play that you mentioned goes a different way. That puck goes in like, History is unkind to that playoff series and maybe too kind to that season. That was not a good season, especially in the second half. But that playoff series was pretty good until game five in a lot of ways. In my opinion, it's not the only one that exists. I think Winnipeg may reach there, but the the toughest lesson for me is that even though they were playing well, they couldn't make those decisions at those key times to stay safe from a team that was genuinely playing well. So I'd worry personally. Yeah, I I mean... I'm sure there's a lot of Jet fans out there, we're seeing it mentioned right now, that are still haunted by that puck on the goal line and the Kevin Hayes play. For the life of me, I will go to the grave and still not believing that that puck did not go into the net. And yeah, who knows how history is different if that takes. Hey, you know, one, we're all obsessing over the Jets right now in this tough stretch. Um, there has been one huge bright spot in the organization as of late. And that's this run the Manitoba Moose are on. You kind of wish that there would be AHL playoffs this year. I mean, the team's, what, 10 wins and an overtime or a shootout loss in their last 11 games. David Gustafson's playing at just about a point-a-game pace right now. And, 
my God. I mean, the excitement around Cole Perfetti um, continues to grow uh, with every incredible highlight from the uh, from the AHL rookie that, under normal circumstances, Marat would not even have the opportunity to play in the American League. Certainly, I think his example, just on a small scale, um, will certainly get some more conversations about whether the CHL arrangement with the National Hockey League is the best thing for some players like Perfetti. But maybe just to comment on what we're seeing out of the AHL team right now um, without playoffs on the horizon for uh, any team in the Canadian AHL division. Well, it's a great story. You know, a second ago I said the story that they tell themselves about something, like about the Jets and the, and the, and the Blues playoff series. I think the story that any Manitoba Moose can tell himself or herself if it's staff uh, about the, the season that they've had should be a positive one. They started sort of you know, battling for everything they got. Their defense really rounded out into form. And it's not just, you know, Hanel who played a little bit for them, but Sandberg's rookie season, Gavanka taking, you know, continuing to play strong, Declan Chisholm having a terrific rookie season, Jonathan Kovacevic having a great season as well. I mean, there are so many things to like. David Gustafson, you know, we should talk more about him. He's, I see him as a middle six player in the NHL long term, to be sure. And then a little lion, Cole Perfetti, doing what Cole Perfetti does. I mean, he's gone from being dangerous with the man advantage and at four on four and at three on three to dangerous at five on five because the game has, has become at a rate, like the speed of the play, he can still carve it apart. And for me, Hus, this is what I think about. And you, we talk about the 2003 NHL draft as one of the best that ever happened. Um, you know, Teams right through the end of the first round were getting Hall of Fame quality, top line quality players right through then. But one of the things that we forget is that the 0405 lockout meant that a ton of those players were playing in the AHL at age 20. You know what I mean? And and there are situations for me in that age 18 to 22 range. Play as many games as you can. Don't be a, an extra on the NHL team. Play as many games as you can at that level, that threshold where it's just a tremendous challenge, but not too much. You can have a big role. Cole Perfetti did that this season. And to me, he is a, is a very specific player that proves something. I agree. The CHL agreement isn't the best for the elites. There's so much to be said about the American Hockey League or minor pro leagues that are outside the NHL scope. And I think a major part of development is taking that age uh, that age span, um, and playing players at that exact threshold where it's a challenge, but they can still play a major piece uh, of the team's success. I think that's what Cole Perfetti did, and Winnipeg's lucky that he did it. Marat Atesh is with us from The Athletic. Uh, really loved the piece on the weekend. Uh, when does your mom start writing columns for uh, for the uh, for the rag? Oh, my gosh. The, co- the comments uh, are immediately, fire Marat, hire his mom. <laughs> like, <laughs> You know, it's it's been a tough year for her in, in some ways, and and well, in a lot of ways, like it has been for a lot of folks as well. She, you know, she also lost her her brother to cancer, and it's just been so nice to to be able to do some nice things for her. And she loves people so much. She loves hearing the comments. I share them with her. Uh, the to do that Q and A where she's talking about the Jets, and then having people's feedback go back to her. It's an actual day maker for her, which makes it a day maker for me. And like. Imagine this, Hus. I talk about my mom on the cesspool that is Twitter, and 100.0% of the people are respectful and kind. This is the experience we're having. I'll and tell you what, point. that's a reflection of you, my friend. I mean, I, I <laughs> honestly, it is. I mean, you treat people with respect and have always been that way in the Twitterverse. And, you know, hey, listen, we all deal with the odd idiot or knucklehead or whatever, but... 
That's what Blocktober's for. And uh, you know what? And then, you know, you have I listen, it was it was just it was a real fun thing to do, celebrating Mother's Day and to all of the moms out there, our moms, the moms that are listening right now. Um, you know, it's uh it, it was just a perfect way to, I think, wrap in Mother's Day. And, uh, and I'll tell you what, I love most of her Jets takes as well. <laughs> she's an incisive woman. And she's not a diplomat like me, right? She says how it is. She absolutely does. I like it. Uh, pal, listen, this is so much fun having you uh, on the program. Um, what, uh, what do you have cooking for Jets fans over the course of this week before we get to the postseason? Well, I think we got to talk about Paul Stastny's 1,000th game. And uh, yeah, I've been working together with some other writers at The Athletic to do something hopefully special, hopefully something that resonates with a lot of folks for that. So, yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to it, and I'm certainly looking forward to hopefully we can uh, chop it up again maybe just before the series begins next week. Um, yeah, it's going to be a tall task for the Winnipeg Jets, but still got a little bit of road left before we get to that postseason. But uh, as always, man, keep up the great work. Thank you for joining us. Everyone appreciates it uh, when you come here. No one more than myself and Michael. Thanks for doing this. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. There he is, Murata Tesh. The Athletic at Murat WPG on Twitter. Great friend of the program. And, um, yeah, if you missed the mailbag on the weekend for Mother's Day, definitely check that out. And, um, yeah, well, big piece tomorrow on uh, game number 1,000 for Paul Stastny in the National Hockey League. Um, just before we get Remus back in here, uh, one week today, folks, is the day live racing returns to Assiniboia Downs. Spectator-free, unfortunately, uh, but Monday, May 17th, first parade to post 7.20 p.m. The season will again feature large wagering pools, setting up the chance for a big score. You can watch and wager on Canada's legal horse race wagering site, hpibet.com. It only takes a few minutes to open account, and you are off to the races. We'll definitely be getting Darren Dunn on in the next week before they go to post on the 17th. And Remus and I will be making some picks daily here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. And a big shout out to our friends at Breezy Bend. It's just great to know that golf is still being played right now in the province of Manitoba. Um, you know, it'll be unfortunate that we won't be able to enjoy that incredible patio at Breezy for the next few weeks. Uh, but first and foremost, you know, people want to be able to get outside, do it safely. Um, and we're lucky right now, considering where we're at, that we'll be able to do that. But great weekend at Breezy Bend. Course is looking amazing. And, uh, Tell you what, great golf news for Rory McIlroy fans on the weekend. It had been, what, a year and a half since Rory had actually won a tournament? Um, well, no longer. The streak is over. He won the Wells Fargo Championship, his third win at Quail Hollow yesterday, um, you know, beating Keith Mitchell and Victor Hovland with a, a real fine final round. Got a little gnarly there on 18, where he had to take that penalty drop, but got the job done. Great for golf to see Rory McIlroy uh, back in the winner's circle. And again, if you want more information on Breezy Bend, thinking about maybe joining for next year, there is a waiting list. You can get on it right now. Find out more at breezybend.ca. Uh, let's get Remo back in here. We'll get to our cool bet lines in a minute. Um, Reem, great stuff with Murat, as always. One of our most popular guests coming on the program and um, just hitting all the Jets topics heading into tonight's game, uh, the first of three final ones before the end of the season and uh, interested on what you think on that. You know, we talked to Matt a few weeks ago and said, I don't know, what are we going to learn about this team before the end of the season? Not much. I don't think anyone could have imagined the way the games have gone up until this point. I mean, where are you at on uh, what, if anything, is at stake for this club and uh, who will you be paying most closely attention to when they drop the puck tonight? Yeah, that's certainly interesting, Hus. Um, 
I don't know where I'm at. I, you know, they're not playing great. This is a, not a time where you want to be playing your worst hockey heading into the playoffs. So I'm not, to be honest, like I'm not feeling great. But look, uh, you know, maybe they can turn on a switch when the playoffs start and, and figure out how to stop Connor McDavid because they haven't been do that, you know, been able to do that all, all year. I agree with Marat. Maybe, you know, they're not putting too much stock into the results, maybe more so process. They're going to need to, again, they're, we've been harping on the defense. You know, we're excited to see Hainala finally get a chance in the lineup. Stanley, too. Um, you know, we're going to have both of those young guys in together. They're going to be Miss Neil Pionk for sure. You hope he's healthy uh, for the start of the playoffs. Sounds like that if it was a playoff game, they just put him in. But either way, him and, and Poolman are currently banged up. So I'm excited to see Hainala. But also, we need to get some some goals. Huss. The number of goals yeah. during this Light last the lamp. stretch is uh, very unlike this Jets team that we've seen. So, you know, hopefully they can figure out and, and start feeling good as they head towards the playoffs, but also make sure you get there healthy. I think that's probably the first point. I do buy what Maurice was saying yesterday and that, that they've, you know, made some strides and they're, they're focusing on what they have to focus on right now. And that is the defense. I mean, I thought Murat's example of the six, one game against Edmonton was the perfect one where everything just completely fell apart. And you need to basically be, the opposite of the way you played in that game to handle Connor McDavid going forward. Um, now, here are a couple of interesting things. Oh, Paula Dett says, Huss, what do you think about the Derby winner failing the drug test? Well, I'll tell you this. It has put together one of the more funny steroid um, conversations in a long time. And Remus, we famously on the on the warm-up uh, always talked about the excuses that guys got busted yes. um, for and what they'd said. <laughs> The Bob Baffert one is was amazing. I mean, probably a top five saying, you know, well, you know, it's obvious that, you know, something's going on here. And, you know, I have no idea why this keeps happening and why it just happens to me. Uh, no explanation for it. Um, you know, maybe, maybe there's a conspiracy out there for him. And I saw him on Fox News blamed, blamed cancel culture for... What happened to Medina Spirit, the Kentucky Derby champion? But uh, I don't know. We'll ask Darren about that coming up. Obviously, it's not good for horse racing. I mean, it's a bit of a scandal. Um, but I do know anyone that had a Medina Spirit ticket cashed it already. So um, listen, if you had the if you had the second place horse in that in that race, I'm not sure who it was. Probably a little bitter right now. But um, but Baffert's such a huge name in the sport. It is um, you know it is a headline when he of all people after another win at the Derby, the biggest race around, is accused of uh, potentially skirting the rules. Yeah, I've seen a lot of memes on Twitter today comparing him to Will Ferrell's character, Ashley Schaefer, from the TV show uh, Eastbound and Down. So, uh, yes, this is real life. Uh, horse trainer saying saying what? Uh, making excuses for his horse testing positive for steroids. People were talking about it. Even my, my wife was like to me, yeah, do you hear this horse uh, did PEDs? <laughs> so a good drug story we can all get behind. They're probably going to, you know, find, you know, they'll find the, you probably took some supplement hus, wasn't approved by doctors, right? And uh, they'll, they'll get find, you know, find the trace of the dirty supplement. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, back to the Jets here. Rob Somerville, hus, the exact things you were talking about are the things Nikolai Ehlers is known for. Thusly, his absence from the lineup explains why the Jets play is as such. I mean, uh, there is some truth to that. I mean, he's been incredibly missed, and I think at some of the times where the Jets have had a hard time setting up shop in the other team's zone, you know, getting zone-controlled entries 
Um, you know, certainly he's been missed, and just the offense. I mean, hey, he's you know he's shooting the puck more than he yeah. ever has before. I mean, th- it's definitely lost. That being said, listen, if you're if you're a team that's going to do anything in the postseason, other than maybe Edmonton with McDavid, I mean, to lose a player from your second line, you got to be able to handle that, and you know you can't just you know lose seven in a row because one player's out of the lineup yeah. right now. So, But there's no doubt, Rob, Ehlers' return, I think, is going to be huge for the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, no doubt they're missing Nikola Ehlers, but you know who Ottawa was missing on Saturday? Uh, Thomas Shabbat, their top number one D, who plays 30 minutes a game. So, you know, every team, you know, Montreal's missing guys, and the Jets, you know, blew that game uh, last Monday. So there's no, I mean, missing Ehlers, you know, missing Lowry, uh, it definitely sucked. It definitely hurt. But every team's going through injuries, and it doesn't excuse you know the top guys who we've mentioned throughout the show who haven't scored goals in the last stretch as well. What are you, uh, what are you laughing at? Over there? I'm Everyone, just seeing the Mal Paris. This, this Mal Paris saying Breezy Ben Golf to Winnipeg Jets playoff talk is the perfect segue. Maul, not a lot of optimism, I take it, going into next week. Well, we'll, there will be plenty of time to golf after that. I hope that, you know, we've got a little more playoff hockey keeping us off the course for a while. But um, uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, We'll see what happens. And again, we'll see what happens tonight. I'm really interested to see how Hanela plays alongside Morrissey. I think this is an opportunity for him to, you know, get some pretty big minutes against, you know, some top-line competition, albeit Vancouver's not going to be bringing what Edmonton does, um, and see how he fits in there in that situation. It'll be nice to see Stanley get into the lineup as well. We've been waiting for a time to see Stanley and Hanela. And you know what? This game tonight, Reem, in some ways, I mean, you're going to have Ben, you're going to have Stanley, you're going to have Hanela all in the lineup, all playing some pretty significant minutes. And, you know, I think there'll be a little internal competition from all those players to, you know, try and clean it up as much as possible, have strong games, and we'll let the coach know that they should be very viable options come a week from now for uh, game 57. Yeah, minor injuries to uh, Poolman and Pionk. Now, Maurice said if the playoffs started, they would be in. We'll wait and see. I think Pionk, didn't they say he was like 95% or something? They said he was, you know, very, very minor, but he's he's still out. So we actually don't know what it is, but, you know, something to watch. I don't think we have a date for the playoff starting, but uh, we'll see what happens. He's being held out. Hellbuck, they said the same thing. Well, if it was playoffs, he'd be starting, but he's not dressing. Uh, Comrie's backing up. So just a couple things to watch and of course uh, the forward lines we, we need these guys to score we're going they're still rocking us uh, old faithful old reliable although it hasn't been as reliable as it was two years ago as well documented on here uh, and in the athletic by Marat but uh, Connor Shafley Wheeler these guys again got to get some uh, some goals on the board yeah hey maybe a visit from the Canucks is just what the doctor ordered yes. to uh, get a few red what lights was... going and get the team going back in the uh, right direction didn't the Jets have some crazy streak against the Canucks yeah, they hadn't uh, lost to them in four years. Yeah. It went back to December, I think, of 2016. It was 11 or 12 in a row before um, that loss at home earlier this season on a Saturday night. Mm-hmm. That was when the Jets actually got put on the uh, lock shop suspended list for three weeks. That game was so uh, so hey, dreadful, to be honest. And Saturday, it was strange. Yeah. Shout out to St- Tim Stutzla, first career hat trick against the Jets. Just uh, another milestone <laughs> against the Jets. I don't think that's a, I don't think that's as significant as like uh, Joe Thornton's thousandth assist or uh, other ones that we've seen. Stamkos's sixtieth goal. But if Stutzla is like a, becomes a Hall of Fame player, and you're like, hey, he scored his first hat trick against the Jets. I remember it. It was uh, the 2021 COVID season when they were floundering near the end, and he. Uh, he put in that empty netter with seconds left on the clock. 
Uh, that's uh, Tim Stutzla's uh, first one. I love Stutzla. I, you know, awesome. I'm, I'm a huge, you know, if, if Kaprizov wasn't, you know, dominating the way he has and coming in as a much more mature player, I think Stutzla would have been right in the mix for How potentially about, the, uh, the Calder Trophy. Yeah, well, the guy in Dallas, uh, Robertson, right? Never Robertson, talking about him. Good season. Still, we t- now should Joel Kivaranta be given bonus credit mm-hmm. for his uh, hat playoff hat trick with the OT winner last year? Even though it was sort of a no man's land, I know it's not really part of this mm-hmm. season, but get a little bit of love on that. I'm not sure, but we'll we'll get to the NHL awards. Actually, um, Greg Millen brought this up on the broadcast yesterday when it comes to the awards, and I had said this months ago uh, to you uh, on the old station that they should have. You know, because each division is basically its own league, they really should have award winners for each division. MLB did this in their season last year with their unique. Um, I mean, it's really hard to compare. You know, players when you're not playing all the all the teams. So why not just for fun have the awards for each division? No, I, it seems kind of uh, kind of odd. I don't know how yeah. you're gonna put four names on the Hart Trophy, but no, essentially you make four miniature. Um, heart trophies that are 25% the size of the main one. And essentially you're giving out a quarter of an MVP award to the division winner. Uh, It was interesting. I saw Rob Rossi pimping Sid for the, uh, uh, for the heart on the weekend. I'm like, listen, he's been awesome. And that team's, you know, I think done a lot better than a lot of people have thought. But I mean, how, how do you, I mean, Connor McDavid's season is like historically good. I mean, right there with some of the best seasons we've ever seen in the in the NHL. Um, you know, taking out names like Gretzky and Lemieux, and even as I said at the beginning of the program, you can compare the numbers and how dominant he is compared to the rest of the league. I mean, it is Gretzky like. So, I mean, I, I expected him maybe to be a unanimous. It only takes one or two guys to to vote, and you know, a different way. Um, but it'll be a runaway win for Connor McDavid. Um, but it is interesting if you took, like, who are the MVPs of some of the other divisions? Um, and I'll tell you what, Austin Matthews, I think overall, especially with the spotlight on him and how many goals he's scored, I wouldn't even be surprised if he's a finalist for the award as well if they do, you know, the regular three guys. But it's Connor McDavid's it's Connor McDavid's award. I mean, there's no possible way it doesn't go to him. The only question is whether it's unanimous. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you look at what he's doing. We don't need to make any arguments for McDavid. I'm curious if someone will uh, vote against him. I don't know how you could argue that. Um, I know there's some Leafs homers that have been uh, coming to me and be like, "Yeah, it's got to be Matthews." I'm like, "Man, you can't be, you can't <laughs> be serious." Like, come on, guys. Like, let's get let's get real here. So we'll we'll wait and see that. Um, what was this? Uh, Jeff Kabila's Kaprizov or whoever it's spelt of the wild could win the rookie of the year. Yeah, I think that's pretty much a yeah. lock. He was, he was plus 450 but, at the beginning of the season. But he played pro hockey in Russia before. He's too old to be a rookie, right, Huss? <laughs> He's too old. Some people, some people will say that. I'm sure a few people in Ottawa are saying that right now. But um, I'll tell you what, he's been... I didn't watch a lot of Wild in the first half of the season and then sort of realized that, man, this maybe They're this good. team actually is really good. They are really good right now. And um, as I said, it's going to be uh, the, the the playoff series in the West um, are going to be, especially that 2-3 matchup, likely Colorado-Minnesota. Watch out. Are going to be, uh, be awesome. Uh, we've got a couple empty seats, open seats in the coaching carousel, Reem. No John Tortorella. Return in Columbus, no surprise at all, considering the season that they've had. And um, 
Rick Tockett's out in Arizona as well. Yeah, that's it. This, I mean, Tortorella, we've been talking for weeks how, uh, you know, he wasn't coming back. They just kind of, they really, that was the definition of just playing out the contract. Columbus has been rough. I mean, if you knew, I guess it's tough because of uh, the whole weird season to bring in a guy, but it feels like they could have just done it earlier. But, I mean, he does leave them. He's the franchise leader and coaching win, so they have had success under him, maybe they wanted to let him go walk out with uh, with some dignity there and just say, you know, we're not going to renew the contract. But it was pretty clear there were some issues uh, this, you know, with this team this year, um, you know, trying to figure out the Pierre-Luc Dubois situation. And now you got, you traded for Patrick Laine, and he's been playing, you know, up and down the lineup. I'm kind of curious what's going to happen. They got some, I think, uh, with Seth Jones, he and RFA uh, coming up now, and he uh, they're holding court today. Uh, we'll see what happens. Line A said today, Huss, that uh, let me. I tweeted out the quote. I sent it to you. Oh, I, he said all the right things. He said all the right he's things. Saying, so Loved Yarmo, every minute of it. Yarmo Kekline and said, you know, it seems to be pretty self-explanatory that Line A will be back. He's of course an RFA, so they do have control over him. Uh, this is from Jess Svoboda, uh, the Jackets insider. Line A says, I have enjoyed every minute I've been here. It was great to see the fans in the stands. I love it here, and I want to stay here for sure. A far cry from, well, I'm here, aren't I? I'm here. That's <laughs> not quite that. And I retweeted that quote, and people were responding to me uh, BS. So I don't know where you stand on that line A, on that line A quote, but uh, he's saying the right things. Well, I'll put and it this way. Yeah. We've talked about it. We've seen him on the bench at times. We know what he's like during happy times, and I think – it is a massaging or stretching of the truth to say that he loved every minute of it because it was pretty clear at times he no one was loving anything if you're a member of the Columbus Blue Jackets right now. But, hey, you know what? I mean, I wish nothing but the best for him. I mean, I hope he gets a nice contract. I hope they get a coach and, you know, some players in that can help get the most out of him right now because we've seen how great Patrick Liney can be. And, you know, it's been sad, to be honest, seeing, you know, the struggles that he's had this season, even after moving on from Winnipeg, as well as the last couple of years. So hopefully there's no ruffled feathers or anything like that. Just a good offseason and a fresh start with a new head coach next year uh, for Patrick Laine. But of course, they're finished up today. The other team that met the media today, Remus, that everyone was talking about was the Buffalo Sabres. And... You know what? I got to give Don Granato a lot of credit. I mean, they really did start to. I mean, listen, they got a few results. I think they were playing hard. Um, they just got out of that ridiculous losing streak that was whatever it was 17, 18 games. And then, you know, managed to win a few. And I think that made everything a little more tolerable. But the big story today, Reem, was Jack Eichel, who basically said that he had some major differences of opinion with the organization as it relates to his injury and is reevaluating. I won't get through the direct quote, but basically the only thing that you could take from Jack Eichel's quotes today is that he wants out of Buffalo ASAP. Yeah, they seem to have some uh, disagreement where he wanted to have surgery for his herniated disc and the team didn't want to. I was looking at sweet. Uh, tweets from uh, Greg Wasinski today. So, uh, where is let me let me just pull it up here. But very, uh, I've got it right here. Yeah. I got it right here. I've been a bit upset about the ways things have been handled since I've been hurt. 
there's been a bit of a disconnect between myself and the organization. The most important thing now is to get healthy and be ready for ho- to play hockey next year. Here's the kicker. Wherever that might be. <laughs> so, man, if you're a Sabres fan, you're going, are you kidding me? We're going to do this again? Um, you know, and Eichel is the franchise there. I mean, making $10 million a year. I'm trying to even think about what sort of legitimate trade options there would be for Buffalo. And, you know, are you going to trade Jack Eichel like you traded Ryan O'Reilly and get three or four mediocre pieces and just build another team that's going to miss the playoffs by 15 points? I mean, and and let's face it, does anybody have the confidence that Kevin Adams is the guy to orchestrate a trade of a superstar player like Jack Eichel that puts the Buffalo Sabres on the path to respectability? Uh, I'm not raising my hand for that one, Mike. Yeah, John Vogel from The Athletic, he tweeted out, hey, if you're a Sabres fan, you're looking to get a jersey, maybe give a second thought to buying a Jack Eichel or a Sam uh, Reinhardt customized one. So he's <laughs> went, suffered, went through a number of injuries. Uh, I think still very high on Jack Eichel, but uh, teams like him and the team aren't seeing eye to eye on how to recover from that. And just this Buffalo team, it's been like, what, 10 years since they've done anything? So... Uh, what this would be like their third or fourth. They're in year now. twelve now of a four-year plan, yeah. Which means they've done it three times, and now they're back to <laughs> they're starting over all again. Uh, yeah, tough times in Buffalo, and doesn't look like Jack Eichel wants to be there anymore. Can't actually blame him. All right, let's get to the cool bet lines. As I mentioned earlier, shout out to everyone that tailed with us from the lock shop and went on that over three and a half points for Connor McDavid on Saturday night. He came through plus 370. If you just went two and a half, it was plus 220. Um, We'll never see numbers like that, that low for so many points for a game, I think, for a long time. Edmonton and Montreal go at it tonight. Montreal needs a point to book their ticket in the playoffs. If they don't get a point in these next two games, Calgary will have the opportunity to win four in a row against Vancouver and make the playoffs themselves. That's a pick right now. Minus 109 on either side, Edmonton and Montreal. The game here in Winnipeg tonight, Jets a big favorite, minus 172. Vancouver plus 145. And uh, Remo, this is a hell of a game tonight. You've got the Colorado Avalanche at minus 120, taking on the Vegas Golden Knights at plus 103. And, you know, this matchup could, I mean, most people expect this to be a a bit of a precursor to what happens in the second round of the playoffs. But there is still a reason for Colorado to play. If they can get this head-to-head win, first place would still be a possibility for the Avalanche. And they could miss the Minnesota Wild. And tell you what, Vegas, I don't think, wants Minnesota in round one. Minnesota's had some real good results against the Knights so far this season. Yeah, Minnesota's had a real good season. And, you know, we normally see a lot of them here in the Central Division. But with these new divisions this year, Minnesota's been uh, in that very tough, what is that, West Division? I'm Again, I'm yeah. not really paying attention to those as much as I am uh, the North but uh, I know Vegas, well, I think Pacioretty's injured. Uh, Peyton Krebs, I think he just had an injury as well and has looked good. So uh, we'll see what happens. But Nathan McKinnon, I think, isn't he out with an injury too for Colorado? So this will be an interesting one. Vegas, uh, they need to win to clinch there at home. I would probably lean, uh, lean Vegas. Well, right. and, and what's interesting about this too is that, um, you know, if Vegas wins and the Avalanche, you know, stay at 76 points, 
the Wild will only be one point back. They'll each have two games left. So there's still a lot of jockeying that could happen in that division. So really, you could have any of those t- three teams go head-to-head in round two, depending on who finishes uh, finishes first. Again, CoolBet lines all available at CoolBet.com. And check out the Winnipeg Sports Talk mm-hmm. Twitter so- page for a link if you want to get in on it and uh, play a few sprinkles with us at CoolBet.com. Yeah, Tracy in chat says uh, McKinnon is in. So when I was looking to do my DraftKings lineups on the daily, what, the daily face-off, they had uh, Tyson Jost there. So thank you, uh, Tracy, for that Excellent. Update. Tracy, uh, Islanders at Bruins, Lightning at Panthers. That uh, would be interesting to see what we get out of that game because that first round matchup is mm-hmm. already set. Um, so a little bit of a preview of what we'll be seeing next week. Panthers, Devils, Flyers. Yeah, Panthers are favored. Uh, I know Lightning, they got a number of injuries. It seems like they're going to get Stamkos, Kucherov uh, for the playoffs. But uh, watch out for the Panthers. Who would have who thought that? Stars and Blackhawks both eliminated. They're going at it tonight, playing out the stretch. Dallas minus 135 favorites. Blues Kings a little later on. Blues are in. Kings are out. And as we mentioned, uh, there you have it. Hey, just a quick um, update on the, uh, speaking of Kubet, on the Stanley Cup odds right now. Who do you think is the favorite to win the Cup right now, Remus, without looking? Mm, Not Toronto. Is it Toronto? Uh, they're the second favorite, and okay. that's again just because I, of how I, many people are betting on them. They're six say, to one. I would say four. that. I would also say Toronto's. I don't want to say they're guaranteed a spot in the final four, but they have the best. I mean, I think they're the heavy favorite in in the North Division to at least get a chance to play for a shot in the finals. The other ones are a bit closer. I mean, West you have Colorado, Vegas, Minnesota. Um, who is the favorite? Uh, is it Vegas? No, it's Colorado, plus four fifty. Colorado's plus four fifty. Leafs are six to one. Tampa plus six fifty. Vegas seven to one. And how about a little love for the Carolina Hurricanes at eight yes. to one? Rod like the Bod going to win Coach of the Year. They finished yes. first. Tampa's got to go at it with Florida in the first round. I love Carolina right now as uh, as it pertains to the East. Boston, 11. Pittsburgh, 14. Caps, 15. Islanders, Panthers, Oilers, 19 to 1. Wild, 24 to 1. Blues, 29 to 1. And then you've got the Habs and Jets down there at 34 to 1. Nashville at 44. And uh, Calgary and Vancouver, because they're still mathematically alive, are... 500,000 to one. So if you think 500,000, yeah, <laughs> it's a lot of, I mean, put like 50 cents on that. You got like 250K if it happens. Yeah, exactly. It's 5,000, sorry, 5,000 to, to one. So yeah, a $1 Five, wager oh, 5, pays 5K. Oh, 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 then not worth it then. Yeah. Well, you could bet 10 and win 500 grand. No. <laughs> well, needless to say, you're not you're not winning anything on Vancouver or Calgary. Just uh, just saying. Although I will say this: if Edmonton wins tonight, it's going to be very interesting going into the game on Wednesday. In that Edmonton won't really have much to play for, and if they win, they'll be doing the Flames the ultimate favor of keeping their series alive. I know Daryl Sutter was asked about five different ways by Eric Francis on the weekend to try to maybe crack a smile about the irony of the Flames all cheering for the Oilers. And he just said a bunch of really weird Daryl Sutter things and moved on to the next question. So that yep. was one of the one of the highlights. And one thing to look out for, I guess, when you're betting, I know guys are going to be resting players, so make sure you take a look at yep. the lineups. Uh, daily face-off, 
would have the most up to date if you're you know trying to look at who's resting who. And I need to. Um, I saw some reports that Carolina might be resting players, so I had Aho and Svechnikov my DraftKings lineups. I'm gonna have to take them out. So maybe bet on teams that need to win to secure something like Vegas tonight, who uh, I may take a look at take a look at here with uh, Colorado. But uh, we'll we'll see. I know Dom at the Athletic has that as a coin flip right now. In terms of you know the home team, the Jets actually favored tonight by seemed like a lot. Um, yeah, they're a big favorite, but I, again, they're playing against like Vancouver. They're playing I, against Vancouver, who, I mean, I think as we all know, have, um, you know, what they're playing eight games in 13 days. They're essentially done. Um, the Jets are, yeah, what, it's coming across the bottom. They're minus, minus 172. 179 last time I checked on cool bets. So that sounds like a lot for this team that's one and eight in their last nine. <laughs> well, yep, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. I don't. I'm not sure. I mean, especially with Brossois starting. I know he's been awesome, but he's not Hellbuck. They're missing a couple guys on D. I'm that number scares me. Huss. one minus one seventy nine <laughs> for this Jets team. I don't know what people in chat think. Uh, it's gone down a little bit. It's minus one seventy two right now. Oh so no, maybe a bit of a bit yeah. of a market correction for uh, for, <laughs> for the Jets. Um, so, yeah. Now, listen, before we go, uh, there's a couple of non-hockey stories. Well, actually, yes. one story that is a uh, hockey base. We were just talking about Vegas. Talked to Gary late on Friday night after the game. And then I was watching the highlights, and I realized they had 7,500 people at their game. Yes. It was loud. It was raucous. The players were appreciating the fans afterwards. And I mean, this wasn't lost upon me that this was about five hours after we just got the news that everything was shutting down here in Manitoba. And again, I don't want to go back to the damn pandemic, but it is just, it's kind of stunning that we're sitting here diving into a third wave, full-fledged lockdown and all these places that we were making fun of, like, oh, they don't know what they're doing. Everyone's going to die. They somehow have figured it out and are there without getting hammered by this third wave like we are right now. I. I don't get it, but it was a little frustrating. But I'll tell you what, it is great to see things getting back to normal in some places, even if we're far from it here in the peg. Yeah, I know, um, you know, I was talking to one of my friends, like, yeah, my brother lives in New York, they're hanging out, you know, everyone's gotten both shots, so we'll we'll get there. And I know they're having crowds. Um, and other, you know, all the U.S., they released, you know, some or relaxed some of the restrictions on the U- American NHL players. Yeah. Andrew Kopp, again, was talking about that yesterday. How he's seeing, you know, his friends on social media who live in the U.S. live a normal life, and here again, uh, another another lockdown. So, uh, again, it's coming. Get your uh, vaccine. Uh, they lowered the age again to thirty. So I'm sure, you know, some of those Jets players who are over thirty, like uh, like the captain Blake Wheeler, I'm sure in line uh, wherever convention center or wherever, or they do they have a private one where they just bring it to the dressing room? I have I have no idea. Yeah. but I'm sure he's going in line with like, everyone else uh, getting it. Yeah, well, listen, the sooner the better for everybody so we can get back to uh, get back to going to games and seeing each other again, although it's going to yeah. obviously take what? a few weeks. Now, another, um, um, yeah, you got some non, non-hockey non stuff? I got, yes. I got one or two. Yeah, well, first of all, it is breaking news. Greg from Royal mentioned it earlier today in the chat, but it is official, or I guess it's been reported by all the insiders, that the Jacksonville Jaguars are signing Tim Tebow. So Tebow time is coming back not to play quarterback, to play tight end. It's going to be a one-year deal. Um, that That's a cool story. I'm a Tebow fan, 
Um, I think he's an incredible athlete, a hell of a football player, a great teammate. And I would love to see him do well and get onto the field and help the Jags win some games. He's from Jacksonville as well, so it would be a great story. But Remo, to me, the story of the weekend has to be the dugout fight between two members of the New York Mets, Jeff McNeil and franchise player Francisco Lindor. And what was interesting, we never really saw the fight. We saw the reaction to it by some of the Mets players. But it did give us one of the most hilarious post-game interviews full with more bullshit than I think I can ever remember from a player standing in front of the uh, <laughs> in front of a microphone. Yeah, you know, players get in, um, you know, get in arguments all the time. Not all the time, but it does happen. And, you know, people want to know what was said. And look, they're not going to say. And what was uh, what was Lindor's explanation? So Lindor, they're asking what was going on back there. He said, oh, I was just having, a, we were having a, a conversation, me and Jeff. Well, what about? Well, he said there was a New York rat there. And he said it was a raccoon. And I said, no way, it's a rat. So they're essentially going back and forth as to whether a large animal down the hallway was a rat or a raccoon. And I'll just tell you how big the rats are, I guess, in New York. Obviously, everyone knew that was BS. Um, But credit to all the Mets for kind of rolling out and going along with this line. I just want to know who came up with that ridiculous excuse because it's fun. There's already rat and raccoon t-shirts being made amongst Mets fans and the crazy thing about it, Remus, in amidst all of this, I think they swept on the weekend, and they're in first place. Yeah, I mean, that's how you play the um, game when you talk to the media, make up some BS story and <laughs> act like it's real. It's just like, uh, you know, sometimes pro sports is exactly like professional wrestling. you got to know how to cut a good promo, and the rat versus raccoon uh, <laughs> promo was a good one from, from uh, Lindor, who ha- has struggled but seems to be turning around. Uh, one story I want to get to, I don't know if you uh, touched on this. My dad would be upset if I didn't bring it up. we got to talk about DK Metcalf. Uh, yes! We've talked about his speed in the past. He tested it up against some world-class sprinters, tried to qualify for the Olympics. I think he needed a 10.02 time in the 100 meters. He clocked in DK Metcalf, 6'4", 235 pounds. Uh, respectable 10.36 time, but he did finish, what, ninth, uh, which is, I think, last in his field. So DK Metcalf, very, very fast for an ordinary human, not quite there as a sprinter. Now, if of course, if he could have, you know, if he actually trained and shed some weight, yeah, he maybe could do well. But uh, I think when you when you say, hey, these NFL guys are just as fast as, you know, like a Usain Bolt, uh, no, 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 these guys are, uh, those guys are unbelievable. Yeah, well, we'll see what would happen if Tyreek Hill was in there. That might have been a different story. (laughs) No, I'm just... (laughs) Um, It was pretty awesome to to, to see it. And, you know, he had a great first 20 meters or so of the Mm -hmm. race. But, you know, when you're talking about world-class sprinters, you know, you get out there. It's hard to maintain, especially when you're that heavy. Uh, But, man, you know, hey, credit to him for going out and trying it and just, you know, being there because... You know, listen, I think you realize you run the risk of of losing and potentially losing bad. Um, And he certainly did himself proud. But holy smokes, those guys are fast. And you think how fast he is, that 10-3-6, holy smokes. And then you see what the other guys are doing. um, Just makes you appreciate how incredible that 
super elite level of athlete is especially especially in track and field in a sport that to be honest most people only pay attention to uh for a week every four years yeah and i'll never forget we had donovan bailey once on the old station and he kind of broke down the 100 meter race how many different stages from the start to the what, the middle then the ending little deceleration and how technical it is just in that uh you know how much goes into that 10 seconds it's not just like sitting down and running so I'll give full credit to DK Metcalf for doing that. A lot of guys, you know, don't want to go out and get embarrassed. And I don't think he got embarrassed at all. He put up a very strong time, but obviously uh, not that close to being an Olympic qualifier. Or, sorry, hey, going to the Olympic trials. Shout out to our buddy Mike Wynn, the Wind Dog. Uh, he is in the chat and did remind us that, you know, you thought 7,500 was good uh, for Vegas. Well, the Canelo fight on Saturday in Dallas... Apparently, is that right? 73,000 people at it? There certainly were a lot of people there. It was in the Cowboys Stadium, that big uh, Jerry World there. Um, and, of course, Canelo did win. What, he broke his opponent's uh, orbital bone in four places? And, my God, he hits body blows. Um, I know there's been a lot of talk about boxing lately, thanks to Jake Paul and Logan Paul, but if you really want to see the best in the game, you tune in when Canelo's fighting, and uh, that was a pretty damn awesome fight on the weekend um all right remo we've got game tonight game tomorrow couple back-to-backers leafs on thursday and then at that point i guess we'll have a bit more clarity as to when the playoffs are going to begin for the winnipeg jets i mentioned you know a win by montreal or a loss by calgary when it happens will clinch a spot but here's the thing. The Montreal games are going to be done before Calgary plays these final four against Vancouver. So um, it could be wrapped up as early as tonight, but it could actually go down to those final games. And I still don't know how they would handle if the rest of the playoffs are ready to go, if the Canadian teams have their matchups, but yet there's still a couple games to be done with Calgary and Vancouver. Is there a way they can play them on top of each other and get right to it? Uh, not really too sure, but that'll all come out and be a lot clearer probably in the next 72 to 96 hours. Yeah, we'll wait. And, we'll, we'll have to uh, wait and see how that goes. I'm sure that's something the NHL's like, yeah, we'll figure it out uh, when we get there. We're not going to make any plans for that. And one other thing before we go, we did see some reports, uh, has New York Post reporting there's a lot of talk about this new US TV contract going to TNT and ESPN for NHL ESPN is reporting or sorry New York Post reporting ESPN will be adding Ray Ferraro and Brian Boucher as analysts now we don't know what that means for Ray on TSN but uh, ABC ESPN signing those two and they'll have what the Stanley Cup every second year they'll have coverage uh, they declined to comment so that's from Andrew Marchand yes in the New York Post so we'll We'll wait and see what that means for uh, for Ray here. Well, that's great for Ray. Ray's the best in the biz, yes. period. Um, there's nobody better when it comes to color for NHL hockey. And I would imagine this probably means that, you know, he'll be booked in. His first priority will be doing, you know, a whole bunch of national games in the United States. Um, but again, as long as Sportsnet still has the rights here in Canada and he's not working for Sportsnet, that gives him the opportunity to do a bunch of the regional games as well. So I would imagine he'll still have a role with TSN. It might go down a little bit depending on what the workload is with ESPN. Uh, but make no mistake about it, everyone's still going to see and hear a lot of Ray Ferraro breaking down the game like very few can. Yes, I agree. And i, I got to be honest, I've loved the change up on the TSN um 
coverage of the Jets games this year. You know, we used to get these uh, intermission shows that didn't really talk about the game, and now we're getting uh, Dave Poulin, you know, oh, Darren, yeah. Darren and Ray. One of the uh, positive things about the pandemic, having people work at home and just being able to watch the game and get them yes. in at the the weekend, that the uh, I, there's no doubt that they've taken a big step ahead. I mean, like, listen, I, I'm, you know, at a certain point, like you, you know, you've got an important game. There's lots to talk about, and you're getting, you know, a 10 minute video of the Moose Winter Carnival or something like that. Like, I mean, all that content is great, and we know how challenging it is to fill that spot, um, but to have you know, the experts that they have coming in at that time. Um, you know, it's been a big, big improvement for Jets broadcasters and I think for the viewers so far this year. And not to mention, I mean, once again, the Jets Legend series that they've done. It's been awesome. Many of us have seen. Awesome. I mean, that has been absolutely elite, and I can't wait to see more of them as they come out. Yeah, I've been loving those, but it's like when you're watching the Jets games, like, oh, here's a feature on the World Juniors. And you're like, what? I thought we were watching the Jets game here. Mm, doesn't doesn't really fit, so... Uh, shout out to the uh, the regional Jets game. That's a big change from this year. <laughs> Eric Eric says just have Hassan Remus during the intermissions. Done. Well, Done. hey, you know what? We're available. Although uh, it would be interesting. Yeah. I don't know whether we'd have to have a timeout before going back to work for Bell for a while. There there might be some there might be some fine print in some of the docs that were signed at a certain point. Remus, <laughs> you read that fine print? I just, I just, I just who reads fine print anymore? <laughs> <laughs> no, just, just kidding around. Vern wants to know about some uh, T. Minerson coverage. Has you been following that one closely? Absolutely, Vern. You know what? I'm glad you brought that up. I had it written down, and I thought I'd done that earlier. I have to give a huge shout-out and congratulations to the girls um, on T. Minerson, led by Carrie. I mean, to do what they did after that miserable start at 1-5, and five, and, and it's not just going and not playing your best at the World Championships and having it be personally disappointing. It's the fact that if they did not finish in the top six, Canada did not qualify for the Olympic Games in women's curling. And that would have been... Like, I can't imagine the pressure that those girls felt once they got to 1-5, and five, really realizing what their situation was. Because as much as they'd love to win the entire thing, to be a team that, quote-unquote, blew getting Canada into the Olympics would have been, I think, really difficult for those girls to live with, considering just how successful they've been. So for them to battle back with those, what, four or five straight wins, getting it to seven and six and qualifying for it, despite, you know, a disappointing loss to Sweden on the weekend, um, I think tells you just how battle-tested they were. They didn't get the final result that they wanted, but they certainly got the one they needed, and that was to get Canada into the Olympics. So um, girls are making Manitoba proud. Yes, it's not – the bubble is over, and i got to give a shout-out to, you know, Greg Wasco, the ice maker, Curling Canada, who put that bubble on that went through a lot, especially, you know, with some COVID scares with the broadcasters over the last couple of weeks. Uh, but they managed to pull it off. Curling fans, the sport was better for it. And we will see Carrie and Brad Gushu play for the World Championships. But overall, um, pretty amazing couple months in the bubble. And Carrie Anderson, certainly one of the stars of that. Congrats to the Swiss for winning the event. Um, but I got to tell you, a special couple years. And cannot wait to see those girls get back at it next season as a team with fans being able to do what they love to do. And um, certainly still the future for Manitoba curling. Very, very bright uh, but and T. Minerson always 
making us proud. Um, Remo, what's up tonight? I guess just basically watching the game, breaking it down. Probably uh, you're going to watch a little Adnan Verk on Monday Night Raw. Have you checked him out yet, by the way? No, I uh, I only tune in for like WrestleMania. I'm not as big. I do need to get around to watching, first of all, in terms of wrestling content. They've had these awesome documentaries oh, on Sunday. Did you watch the Booker T one last night? I'm, I haven't watched any of those yet. I was watching on the weekend the uh, Stone Cold Broken Skull Sessions with Jericho, which was which was awesome. But I have yep. to get to those documentaries. And there's WWE, like, Treasures or whatever. I need to watch that. But there's also um, Dark Side of the Ring, Brian Pillman. I don't know if you've watched, if you've heard about this, this series. I, it's on, on Vice in the U.S. Uh, I think it's on Crave here. Yeah, I haven't seen that yet, but I listened to a podcast on the weekend with the guys that made it. Um, and that one sounds really good. Uh, Booker T last night was awesome. If you, if, you, if you missed it, they're on A&E. I'm sure they're probably available to watch later on. Um, Booker's such a great, he's one of my all-time faves. And, and and the funniest thing is they talked a lot about, remember at the end of Booker T's run, he became King Booker? Yeah. And had yeah, Queen Charmel, one of the great characters of all time after being like the Harlem Heat guy all along to be the snooty royal. Um, oh my God, there was some great laughs last night. Um, who was the one last week? There was Stone Cold. And then Macho last, Man and Roddy Piper. Oh yeah, the Macho Man was awesome. So we'll get to those. Yeah, highly recommended. Some good Sunday night. And yeah, that show they have afterwards where they're tracking down all the old memorabilia. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd never seen it before watching it last night. And um, anyways, if you're an old school wrestling fan, you will love that. Yes, Eric Johnson, King Booker. <laughs> <laughs> I love. I will say I love. Um, I don't watch as much wrestling now, but I watched it a ton in the in the nineties. And I love all these wrestling uh, documentaries, like the Monday Night War. I watch every every part, mm-hmm. and uh, all the other ones. So, uh, and I did see, you know, in terms of sports content, I saw Hulu just picked up like a document, like a nine part documentary on the history of the Lakers. So no shortage of like sports documentaries uh, all over, not just uh, not just wrestling. Well, I'm just happy that we actually have sports to go to because remember what we were doing last year at this time? We were like, oh. Uh, When's the last dance on? And it was everyone a, a was year just, ago. I know. Yeah, exactly. Everything was shut down and there were no sports. And that was basically, that was the sports. We're going to watch this documentary on the Bulls. So yeah. um, <laughs> it was awesome. Like, yeah, well, it was, people enjoyed it. I, I liked it too. Uh, Vern, hey, yes, months it must be exhausting, but a proud show, Team Anderson and Team Winnipeg Sports Talk. Yeah, very much agreed. Love the girls. We'll try and get Carrie on at some point, maybe when she's done the, the mixed, and just talk about how crazy um, the last couple months have been. And a shout-out to her family out in Gimli and everyone supporting their team uh, for Team Einerson. All right, Reem. Well, we'll uh, see what happens in this game tonight and be back tomorrow to chop it all up again with the latest on the Winnipeg Jets and much more. Um, we'll see whether Montreal can book their spot in the playoffs tonight or whether we're still talking about that final playoff spot. And we'll also be able to kind of start looking ahead to some of the playoff matchups with some friends around the league. As always, thanks to Aikens Lake, Coolback Canada, Breezy Bend, Assiniboia Downs, Little Brown Jug. May have to have a couple 1919s at the game tonight. Uh, for the game tonight, obviously not going to the game or enjoying anything like that. Nick and Nikki DQ. I just saw someone. End of show. Time for DQ. Great call. Um, Royal Sports, Boston Pizza, and not Autocorp. And speaking of Boston Pizza... I just saw Tracy 
pop in Remus that um, she had. She was the winner of the California Shrimp Pizza, which she's they raving had about for it. Pizza Week. She said it was one of the best she's ever had. Thank you. Well, thank you, Tracy, for always being in here. One of the great loyal listeners of Winnipeg Sports Talk. And I guess, Remo, to finish off the program, again, a sincere thank you to everybody that's listening, that's viewing with us. 4,000 subscribers on YouTube and continuing to grow. Can't wait to get to five. And uh, we'll uh, be doing this daily here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Couldn't do it without the great support of our sponsors, but especially the people that are joining us here every day or listening afterwards in the afternoon on their podcast on the way home. Yeah, it's incredible. Uh, We had, what, 100,000 views on YouTube last week, 100,000 podcast downloads. And now here we are, 4,000 YouTube subscribers. So thank you, everyone. Hit those uh, like buttons. Uh, in the chat, hit the subscribe button and check us out on the other uh, social medias, Instagram and Facebook could use a couple more followers uh, on there. But, um, you know, thank you everyone uh, for your support. Uh, it's great seeing everyone, a lot of familiar uh, names in chat. So thank you all who are coming out here and saying yeah. it up. Blizzard time for bus split. Uh, David Carpenter, good stuff, boys. Dave, thanks for joining us. Uh, Trini KP, good show. Later, dudes. Have a good one. Right on, you guys. Hey, listen, I love it. Um, oh, Gregory's dropping. Oh, Britt Baker, DMD, uh, AEW women's wrestler, who I believe is a legit dentist as well, and tweeted a picture today of her working in a dentist Wait, office, which actually? is quite impressive. Yeah, Th- thought yeah. the only dentist wrestler was Isaac Yankum. Yeah, he and he was a fake dentist. Britt yeah. Baker, a legit dentist, and. Wow. Uh, Pretty cute, too, I must say. So, anyways, that's a great tip from Gregory. Uh, okay, thanks again to the sponsors. Thanks to everyone for joining us. A huge thanks to Murata Tesh, who we love having on the program. We'll have much more on the Jets tomorrow, the upcoming Stanley Cup playoffs, and all the other fun stories in the world of sports. Tell a friend about Winnipeg Sports Talk. If you're with us live on YouTube, before you go, hit that thumbs up, hit that like button, and make sure you've hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. Folks, have a great night. Enjoy the game tonight. We'll be back at it tomorrow right here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Oh, my God! Shut it down! Let's go Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.